Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. This episode covers Season 3, Part 15, Archive. We're going to read from my response immediately after the episode aired in 2017, but also after that, play some audio from the first uh, minute of Part 16, the next episode, and then I'll describe what we see in detail to the extent I can. I won't get more into it than that for the moment. Um, I'll give you a warning beforehand if you want to tune out and watch the episode if you haven't yet. But first, let's finish up with part 15. From my previous work on this episode in 2017, I published this piece right after the episode aired. There are three possibilities. First possibility, Cooper is dead. Although, as the giant Jeffrey's kettle reminds us, Mr. C is still Cooper in some fundamental sense as well. Wouldn't that be a pisser? David Lynch and Mark Frost string us along for 15 episodes, allowing Dougie to elude numerous assassins and then dispatch him by having the guy stick a fork into a wall outlet. The event is even triggered by him hearing the name of David Lynch's character. Is Sunset Boulevard the first movie we ever see played in Twin Peaks? As if to remind us exactly who is doing this to our beloved hero. The ultimate troll? Beyond pure sadism, this development could serve some dramatic purpose, forcing Mr. C to be the conduit, no pun intended, of Cooper's redemption, or sending the good Cooper back to the lodge and elsewhere, as the log lady says, death is not an ending, just a transformation, so that he can find another way out or achieve something even more important, which we can't foresee. Yet I suspect the series isn't going to go there. For whatever reason, even though I was audibly shouting at my TV, don't do it, I'm not particularly worried about the character right now. Second possibility. This is it. Finally, Cooper has been zapped into consciousness. I have little doubt this will be one of the most common interpretations, and no doubt it will be the most desired. This is certainly the most physical jolt Cooper has received since arriving in Dougie's place. There was a sense that he didn't quite come out right the last time, that perhaps something was left behind. Could this shocking turn, okay, I'll stop with the puns, simply be the FBI agent collecting what remains so he can be whole again? We have only one hour left before the two-part finale, and while that may be a compelling reason to expect the titular return, it's also a reason not to. After all, if the story has waited this long, why not just go all the way and delay bringing Cooper back, whatever that means, until the very final stretch? But if this is a turning point, I'm predicting right now that we won't find out until part 17 and 18, meaning that this cliffhanger would keep on hanging, through the next hour, in which we wouldn't see Cooper once. Or, perhaps, we'd go check on a comatose Cooper in, the, Cooper in the hospital as the FBI gathers by his bedside, and Chantal and Hutch would be thwarted in an attempt to take him out there. Third possibility. Cooper survives, damaged, and the shock serves some dramatic purpose, having to do with Chantal and Hutch, or the local FBI looking for him, or both. Maybe this lands him in the hospital right when he was about to be killed. But, He's still the spacey, barely functioning Dougie we've come to know and maybe love. If Gordon and Albert arrive in Vegas, this is who they'll encounter, and the Chantal Hutch assassination is averted as all the others have been, with some goofy twist of fate or lodge-guided intervention. This feels the most likely to me. As diabolically clever a twist as the physical death would be, with the caveat that this doesn't preclude seeing the good Cooper find some other way to deal with Mr. C., it feels premature, mostly because it would leave the Chantal Hutch storyline unresolved, and I don't think Lynch, and particularly Frost, would dangle their arc that way. And I just don't believe that even a near-death experience has the power to change Cooper's situation, or that the scene would be placed within three hours still to go. Though, the more I think about it, the coma scenario works. It would still allow an attempted assassination, and would also avoid the sight of his former colleagues ringing a bell. 
The climax of this 18-hour story must either involve Cooper emerging from Dougie's shell, or a subversion of that storyline for something radically new, a la Mulholland Drive. And then, of course, the piece continues. Um, but that's the excerpt I wanted to share here. And that's it for the Part 15 coverage. Now on to Part 16. Uh, it's the first minute of this. Now, <laughs> this is uh, a little different than the previous one, where I had all these details to pick out. It ended up being one of my longest, uh, you know, first-minute previews. This one's different because uh, it's late at night, and there's not that much to see, but there's definitely a mood and a vibe, so I try to get into that a little here. So here's the opening minute of part 16. fade up on a road, illuminated, barely, by car headlights, which pierce the inky blackness to draw out two white lines, a thicker double yellow, the vague shape of dirt and brush on either side, and the occasional sign or post along the road to keep the driver from veering off. The first thing we see in the fade up is a yellow diamond with a black zigzag arrow suggesting a turn in the road, a 35 mile per hour sign fixed just beneath it. We're not driving particularly fast, however, contributing to the sense of ominous dread, which the dark night and droning music reinforce. We are at the opposite pole of how Part 15 began, also alongside a road, but with a determined good deed-doer, traveling by foot in the bright sunshine. Now, all is dark. After the sign, all that emerges aside from the ever-weaving line markings of the road are little reflective markers, one on the left side, followed by a couple on both left and right, gleaming as they catch the headlights before disappearing again into the dark. Finally, after 18 seconds, and upon reaching a bit of an S-curve on this drive, we cut to a reverse shot of the driver, Mr. C, Cooper's evil doppelganger, and the passenger, Richard Horn. Mr. C stares straight ahead, grim, determined, but apparently unflustered. Last time we opened an episode with him in a car, Ray was driving, and Mr. C was, at times, just along for the ride. But now he is firmly in control. Richard gazes out his window, curious, somewhat concerned, but a bit intimidated as he casts a gaze back in the driver's direction. Their faces are barely illuminated, lit only perhaps by the glow of the dashboard. No one drives past or behind them. They are alone. After eight seconds, cut back to the car's point of view mid-turn in the road, with reflectors caught on either side. This shot looks almost, maybe exactly identical, to the end of the first shot, down to the dirt pull-off patch on the side of the road mid-turn. We cut again after eight seconds at the same spot in the road, Richard looking out his window again, but this time not quite turning fully to Mr. C. Instead, he stares ahead too, but obviously less confident and commanding than the driver. He tilts his head side to side, his lips drawn, his eyes wide, just barely shifting a glance in Mr. C's direction as he pulls on the steering wheel, suggesting a turn off the main road. 
Indeed, the next cut to a reverse, 12 seconds in, reveals that the car is driving down a dirt path now, bumping along and slowing down as the headlights barely reveal patches of grass along the side and rocks amidst the road. Cut to a very wide, indeed distant overhead shot of the tiny little headlights of this truck, with even dimmer orange lights atop it, winding along a long road which we can barely make out in the pitch-black landscape. Squint, and you may pick out the horizon line, framed by hills, mounds really, on either side. As the faraway vehicle reaches a bend, which will redirect it towards us eventually, our minute ends. A simpler and thus much shorter to describe sequence than usual, but no less effective at setting a mood than any other opening. And that concludes this week. Tomorrow, we are picking up with Season 3, Part 16, welcoming you to the episode, talking about Laura Palmer, the feel of the episode, the structure of the episode. At the present, the way I'm working on these, uh, re-editing these uh, episodes, putting them together, making the, uh, well, the illustrated companion for Part 16 is already done, but for the podcast episodes themselves, I'm focusing on one week at a time and trying to tackle other projects as well. So there is a possibility that I may pause and hold off on the last few episodes until 2023 but i think at the pace i'm going i'll probably be able to continue with part 16 tomorrow so check in i'll have an announcement either way and i think probably part 16 will continue and hopefully part 17 and 18 after that to wind up season three on schedule thanks for listening and see you next time 